Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie, and this is Standard Definition, the retro and nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network, where each and every Monday we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about games, movies, shows, and other topics that make us nostalgic. I am your host for the classically animated Disney branch of Standard Definition, and we all know that we can't have a nostalgia podcast without recording episodes covering classic Disney. Uh, We will be reviewing these movies in release order, starting from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs all the way up to The Princess and the Frog in 2009. Here I am joined by two amazing people, Corey Deerig. Oh, that's me. I thought I was like, who are, who's here? <laughs> Hi, I'm here too. Let's get weird. Yeah. And Mark Pereira. Hello. Okay. Um, before we get in, uh, get weird and talk about a very out there, um, <laughs> there's nothing else, no other way to say it, a very out there movie. Uh, I just want to cover some housekeeping. Do you like what you hear? You can support us and get the show two weeks early by heading over to our Patreon. Yes, we have patreon.com slash boss rush network. But you can still subscribe on free feeds. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review. It really would help us with our discoverability. Uh, you can also catch us uh, all our content on our YouTube channel and on bossrush.net. Also, if you didn't know already, we do have a merch store, which various logos surrounding our entire network, including standard definition where we have various styles, including one with a Disney-style font. And also, Corey, would you like to, once again, shout out our wonderful producers? Let's do it. Uh, these are our producers for the month of April, because this is when we're recording the episode. I want to thank everybody who has subscribed to the $5 tier. Remember, you can get the shows, you can get this show, as well as After Dark, two weeks early. You can get Expansion Pass and the Bossers Podcast a week early for just a dollar. But... If you subscribe at the $5 tier, you are subscribed to the producer tier, which means we shout you out on the podcast. Woo! Uh, So here are our current $5 tier patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We have Quentin Jackson, a new patron as the time of this recording. So thank you for coming aboard. Rebecca Jewell, Adriel Munger, we appreciate both of you as well. Longer time subscribers uh and my wife sauna dude that'll never Woo-hoo. get old nah, I, ha- I mean i have to do it every time now it's just I, if somebody's yeah. like stop i can't stop guys it's just i no. can't so well thank you everyone for your support um whether it is at, at a producer level on patreon or just your support by listening to us we do appreciate it so this episode, we are going to cover Disney's Alice in Wonderland. What is Alice in Wonderland, you ask? Well, <laughs> let's try and summarize it on our own first before what I read <laughs> what it's about. Does anyone want to give it a shot? It's weird. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is happening in this movie? Like, I don't even understand what is happening in this movie. I like kind of... so behind the scenes stuff we're recording we recording two two episodes one night we just did cinderella so spoilers uh but like i was kind of re-watching it as we were doing cinderella just to like 
What did I miss? What is this movie about? Yeah, you missed everything. <laughs> this yeah. chick fell on a tree, and she got lost with a bunch of like animal people and some twins and some weird <laughs> cards that can walk around. And what's happening Painting in the this roses movie? Red. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, this movie's so weird. And then you have the the caterpillar with the hookah that's like, you know, I don't know, whatever. And it's just, this is a weird movie. This movie is so weird. We just talked about how Cinderella is like Disney's, you know, perfect film. And then we come to this and it's like, I don't understand this movie. And like, also it has the same animation team as Peter Pan, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks. And like Alice looks just like Wendy and the painted backgrounds have so much Peter Pan vibes going on. I was so confused watching this movie. Like, it was worse than watching Dumbo almost. Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand what's happening in this movie. And then, like, she eats the food, and she gets real big, and then she gets real small, and then she gets real big again, and then there's, like, this <laughs> duck thing in her, living in her hair. Like, we got him going, Mark. What is this movie? <laughs> this is his two sentence description of the film. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie is weird. That's my description of the film. All right, Mark, would you like to give that a, give this a shot? Yeah, a bunch of people smoked a lot of stuff and tried to make a, a Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's also really great. And for me, I would just say. Everything that's nonsense makes sense in this movie. So, but what really is Alice in Wonderland? <clears throat> Join Alice as she chases the white rabbit and journeys into a topsy-turvy world that gets curiouser and curiouser as her fantastical adventures unfold. Meet the Mad Hatter, March Hare, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the Cheshire Cat, the Queen of Hearts, and more unforgettable, certainly they're unforgettable, um, characters, all set against a backdrop of an awe-inspiring splendor. That is a different way to describe mm. it. Yeah. Um, I want to jump into trivia first. Oh, boy. Uh, based off of, you know, again, characters that I kind of was terrified as a kid, but now find them just... I don't know, mesmerizing in a oddly humorous way. When T- Tweedledee Tweedle and Tweedledum are introducing themselves, they suggest some things they could do. Which one is not one of those things? A, freeze tag. B, button button. Who's got the button? C, hide and seek. Or D, a battle. I, uh, I, uh, but, I button button. I remember them, like, fighting each other, but I don't know if that was one of the choices. I think they just end up fighting each other. Uh, Hide-and-seek is one, I think. I don't know. I I don't remember. I don't remember. Mark, do you have an inkling? I know it's not button-button who's got the button, because there's, there's like, I have a a weird brain, and so, like, little sound bites get stuck in my head, and so button-button who's got the button button. is, Yeah. yeah. Is, oh yeah, has okay. been in my head right. since the first time I've seen it. So I know it's not that, and I I feel like they they do a battle because they punch each other and they have like the squeaky noises. Like a, yeah, but did, like a, did was that a choice though, or did they just end up fighting each other? That's the thing. I think the answer is freeze tag. 
Mark, you are just killing it. We need to keep track of these points. Yes. Yeah. They offer button, button, who's got the button, hide and yeah. seek, and watch us do battle, honk, honk. Yes. <laughs> That's our trivia. Um, so, Alice in Wonderland first released in London July 26th of 1951. It had its uh, premiere in the U.S. in New York City on July 28th, just a couple days later, and then to the rest of the United States in September. This movie runs over an hour at 75 minutes. It had a budget of $3 million and had a total box. Oh, it's not that much. $5.9 million. Hmm. Yes. So... In order to understand, if we can, the bizarreness that is Alice in Wonderland, we need to look at where it came from, right? Like most of Disney's movies, there were adaptations of either fairy tales or stories in the past, and this is no exception. This movie is based off of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. I do feel like that's kind of general knowledge, uh, but did you know Disney himself grew up reading them at school? And when he was working at a, uh, a place called the Laugh-O-Gram studio in Kansas City, he did make a short cartoon series. I think it's like Newman Laugh-O-Grams. And one of the last cartoon shorts he made was called Alice's Wonderland, loosely inspired by those books. The feature had a live-action girl interacting in an animated world. However, the Laugh-O-Gram went bankrupt and the film was never released to the public. Thankfully, Disney brought the idea with him when he set out to Hollywood, and in 1933, he considered making it a feature-length animated and live-action version of Alice, but this was scrapped in favor of Snow White. So can you imagine if this came out as the first Disney movie? Might have been better. Yeah. No, I think Disney would have been, if Alice in Wonderland came out first. was the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just imagine it would have been, like, a live actress in an animated... Pl- I mean, like, that's happened much later, right? Like, we well, got... I mean, like, Mary Poppins was that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So... Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think like, Disney really went through that phase. Like, it was Mary Poppins, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. was the other one? There was another one that was, like, pretty popular around that time, too. Um but it was just kind of like that era of Disney where they finally kind of felt like the technology was ready and, uh, you know. Yeah. But, but this, this history helps, right? Cause at first I was like, you know, you came out with this masterpiece Cinderella where you finally mastered the formulas, like Corey said, and then Alice comes out and now it makes sense that technically Walt Disney kind of always wanted to, uh, to produce Alice in Wonderland, but it just took some time and then, that it just released so as far as reception um although it's considered one of the best animated films of disney's day the initial reviews are actually pretty negative i don't know if that's surprising or not to you guys but i pulled a sample <laughs> review of the new york times um it said oh no i think it's a com- i'm trying to see if this is a compliment or not let me read this if you are not too particular about the images of carol and Tenniel, if you are high on Disney whimsy, and if you take a somewhat slow, uneven pace, you should find this picture entertaining. You know what? I'm just going to stop there. That's weird. (laughs) This movie, I mean, 
all jokes aside, like this movie goes a lot of places and like, I think it's so iconic because it is weird. Right. Especially, I, I think it's iconic because I mean like Dumbo, right. You think of what's iconic about Dumbo, right. It's Dumbo flying, but he doesn't fly until like the very last scene of the movie, you know? And so you think of Alice and you think of like the first thing I think of, of Alice in Wonderland, it's a mad tea party that happens. It's only like a five minute scene, you know? Right. And you think of the Mad Hatter and the Cheshire cat. Well, they're not in it very much. Like all the iconic things you think of, right. They're just, I don't know it to me, this movie watching it reminds me of the way we remember Dumbo in a way, you know? Well, you know, what might have played a part into kind of, I mean, in general, um, Lewis Carroll's, you know, all the stuff that he's basing it off is already kind of whack, you know, wacky and out there. Mm -hmm. But um, Disney kind of, you know, admitted that um, he considered the lukewarm reception in part by having too many cooks in the kitchen. I read that he had about five directors on this project. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you have too many people trying to make decisions, things can kind of seem a little scatterbrained which probably didn't help a, a, a story that is already kind of comp- complex, so to speak. Yeah. But with all that, the film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Scoring of a Musical Picture, but they lost to An American in Paris. Hmm. Um, I can't wait to hear what Mark has to say about this, but there have been other adaptations, like the live-action Alice in Wonderland in 2010, starring... Mia Wazakowska and, of course, Johnny Depp by Tim Burton that also had a sequel of Alice Through the Looking Glass in 2016. They had, what, mixed to negative reviews. Am I right? So, Mark. Yeah, I, I watched, I mean, I saw the original, uh, or the Alice, the first one, um, when it came out. Um, but I had not seen Alice Through the Looking Glass until this watch through. Um uh, there's there's a lot they're they're pretty good I, I enjoyed both of them um, surprisingly I think I enjoyed the second one more than the first mm-hmm. one um, the second yeah. one um, <clears throat> kind of gave a little bit more context to the animated film but what's interesting about these movies is they're really sequels to the animated movie so the animated movie is the first film the live action quote unquote remake is not a remake it's a sequel to the animated film and so um, so that's that was a really interesting kind of spin on this whole craze of of live action remakes of Disney films, um, and then uh, I mean they were th- this was in the era where Tim Burton was very Tim Burton and Johnny Depp was very Johnny Depp and it was people were tired of it and so um, I mean it had interesting things in it. Um, I, I like I said I liked through the looking glass a little bit more than I liked um, Alice in Wonderland. Um, there's some interesting parts. Like you, you find out um, why the red queen doesn't like white roses. And um, you find out why the Mad Hatter and the March Hare were, were sitting at the, the tea party. Basically mm-hmm. the, one of the main characters in the second film is time. It's a personification of time. And so he, um, as a punishment to the Mad Hatter freezes him to a minute before tea time until Alice comes back because it's a time travel movie. And so he's basically, they're like frozen in time until Alice shows up 
for the Tea Party. So it, it gives a little bit more context to what happens in the animated film. And um, they're pretty imagine- imaginative and and pretty fun to watch. I mean, they're not you know anywhere near some of the better live ac- action adaptations, but they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? That that's enough to convince me to watch it. Sorry, Corey. Yeah. Cause, only because, oh. and I know it sounds like a stupid reason not to watch a movie, but. <clears throat> Johnny Depp's character just looked so creepy. I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's very Johnny Depp, um, and not in necessarily a good way um, in these movies. But I mean, Helena Bottom Carter's in it. She's the she's the Red Queen, and I, I'm a big fan of hers. And um, Alan Rickman is in it. And, <gasps> yeah, uh, he's the caterpillar. I think right. Yeah, he is the oh. caterpillar. Um, and so it, it it's and it just i don't know i just i find it really interesting that it's a sequel to the animated movie i thought that's a really clever concept mm-hmm. so they i mean they're pretty good movies okay. and and there's also a, a a tv show that my kids are super into right now um, i have four-year-old twins but uh, it's alice's wonderland cafe or something like that oh um she is running a bakery in wonderland um so interesting yeah yeah i also like like mark i think the second live act it's been a, it's been a long time since i've seen them i didn't do the whole rewatch like mark did because i'm a terrible co-host but uh i do remember liking the second one better and i think it's because tim burton wasn't involved in yeah. the second one it was sam raimi and like sam raimi gets a lot more out of his characters in terms of like the depth I feel like, and actually making the comp- the characters backstory is kind of compelling. And I think that's why it was better. Uh, so that, that was just my little two cents. on that Yeah. I, I think, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I think, you know, I think every once in a while actors need to, and directors need to take a break. Like I think Christopher Nolan is a, a little bit in that, that, phase right now you just get so into this same thing that you do every time and so i think this was right around the time where i mean how many weirdos can johnny depp play and how many black and white striped characters can tim burton have so well let me tell you uh jack sparrow uh mad hatter (laughs) willy wonka uh who else was he playing there was one other one at the time that he played and everybody was like oh johnny Depp." well he was also in um but he wasn't silly but it was um and i actually like this movie he was the barber on fleet street right sweeney todd yeah sweeney todd oh but also edward scissorhands but that's older. right yeah right yeah i think sweeney todd was the other movie that came out around this time which is unfortunate because i believe it or not i actually had a strong affinity to that movie i don't know why i really liked it maybe i just like the music part So. I just watched that actually a couple weeks ago, um, and it's—I yeah. mean—it's dark, but it's—it's it's good. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. So um, I guess one like little bit tidbit before we um, jump into reviewing the characters. Disney wanted to retain Carol's imaginative poems, and over thirty potential songs were written for this film. Uh, some key standout songs, you know, Alice in Wonderland, the I'm Late song, which I don't really think of it as a song, but uh, the Walrus and the Carpenter, which is such a bizarre story, but I love that song. It gets stuck in my head. Um, the Unbirthday song is very, very, very famous, as mm-hmm. well as Painting the Roses Red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tea Party song is, I think that's the most iconic, at least mm-hmm. to me, because, like, as 
I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I've gone to Disney World a lot. I'm sure I've mentioned it on this podcast. Uh, but, like, you know, when you go to Disney World and you enter Fantasyland and you go to the teacups, this is literally the only song that's ever playing at the teacups is is the Unbirthday song. And, like, to me, that song just reminds me of walking from Fantasyland over to Tomorrowland at Disney World because, like, that's where the teacups are and you can still like when you walk by the tomorrow man tomorrowland speedway which is kind of like right across from the teacups like you like when i hear this song all i hear are like these nasty like kids motor cars drive by right as i'm listening as i hear this song it just reminds me of all like all these disney world memories it's it's weird like hearing these songs where they're properly supposed to be (laughs) Because, like, when we did the Cinderella, something I didn't really bring up during that either, but, like, the uh, Nightingale, uh, Sing Sweet Nightingale and Cinderella, like, the music of those songs play when you are kind of walking around the castle area. That's cool. And, like, it's, they. I mean, they're not singing, but you can hear the music, and, like, that reminds me of, like, oh, well, you can't really walk through the castle except at night anymore because there's a stage show and they have to tear down and set up and tear down and set up for the stage show. And so like, you can only really walk through the castle in the morning or at night before the fireworks or after the fireworks. And like, I just remember hearing those songs as you walk through the castle and like the mosaics, the mosaics on one side are Cinderella. But then as you make your way towards it through Fantasyland, you start seeing like, the weird vines from Alice in Wonderland and then like, you know, kind of like the red path that the dog kind of sweeps up. You kind of see it kind of weave through the Winnie the Pooh thing and lead into the teacups. And so like, there's all this kind of connective tissue through these movies that kind of remind me a lot of childhood memories. And uh, that's the one thing I can say about Alice in Wonderland is like the music is kind of really memorable for me for it, for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's been interesting <clears throat> in this rewatch. You kind of watch Disney like um, with with each new movie, like start to hone different elements of their craft. And so, like Snow White was like you know really focused on animation, obviously, and then you know Pinocchio they really focused on scope by broadening the scope and having different locations and different things happening on on screen. Um, Cinderella was really focused on that formula, that Disney formula that we talked about in the last episode of uh, you know, that, that, that true Disney princess formula that has worked so well for them. And for Alice in Wonderland, I feel Disney really focused on music, um, yeah. not just not just the score, but the songs as well. And I think that this one is the first movie where there's like there's been good songs in other movies, but they've been like little snippets of songs here and there. And this is the first one where music really is at the forefront of the movie where I would be like, I'd like to buy that album with the other ones, not necessarily, but with this one, it's like, I agree. The the music really is a standout for me. Um, Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, is Disney World, Disney World, Disneyland. I always confuse the two, but you know, as much as Alice in Wonderland, the movie definitely doesn't stick out. Um, as, like my top whatever Disney movies, but as far as Disney rides, Teacup is just so iconic. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. 
Um, okay. I think we can just jump right into the characters, and there's quite a lot of them, so let's just kind of have at it and just discuss what we end up discussing. Um, anyone want to take a crack at it? I mean, I guess we could start with Alice, right? I mean, she's just kind of like this unassuming girl kind of having a picnic by herself kind of thing at the beginning, right? And then I think her mom or her teacher tutor or something tutor was trying to read to her and she's not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, but like essentially she's just kind of like by herself in her own little world. And I guess that's why wonderland exists right is like it's her own little world that she gets lost in and then it kind of feels like it kind of feels like she gets stuck in her own world and she's i don't know it kind of like it feels like i'm i don't really know how to describe it but it just feels like this movie is trying to tell you something of like you you can't be stuck in your own world all the time because you'll get lost in it and you gotta i don't know almost like Again, bringing up Peter Pan, like you got to kind of grow up at some point almost. And I don't know. This movie has a lot of weird Peter Pan vibes to me in a weird way. And I know we kind of talked about how Alice kind of looks like Wendy and like the animation team is the same and all that stuff. But like it just feels that way to me. Like Wonderland kind of feels like Neverland in a weird way, Hmm. in a different way. Yeah, I mean, they're both, you know, characters from our world going to very fantastical worlds that may or may not exist, right? Might just are probably in their head. Mm-hmm. And so um, I see the similarities for sure. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, in the beginning when she sings, um, I remember distinctly a line about, like, how she would sit amongst the flowers talking with them for hours, which mm-hmm. when she gets to Wonderland, that's one of the things that <clears throat> happens. And again, pre-Wonderland, she says, like, if I had my, she was speaking to her cat, Dinah, like, if I had my own way, like, nothing would make sense, everything would be nonsense. And when she goes to Wonderland, where things were absolutely nonsense, she grows to, like, not like it. It's almost like she matures Mm -hmm. while she's in Wonderland, realizing, oh, this is nonsense. Like, there's a reason why there's rules and, you know, guidelines to follow and things you have to pay attention to, right? It's, yeah. I think, um, I think that's the part where she starts, well, she cries a couple times in the movie, but when she comes at realization, it's when she got lost and there's this like dog with a broom for a head and he sweeps her path out like away. So she literally has no sense of direction. I'll admit as a kid, I was spooked. I was spooked. I was like, Ooh, it's so dark. And I would be freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if we try to get, like, really, you know, intellectual or whatever about it, like, I feel like it's an allegory for growing up. And mm-hmm. and, and it's not, um, and, and you all said this, but, like, you know, the, the process of maturing, like, wanting to be every kid wants to grow up, but then realizing, I think the definition of being a grown up is realizing that you're a grown up and not wanting that anymore, right? And so, um, and how like so I, I just think that there's something there for that but it's a little disjointed and a little discombobulating the the movie's not really woven together that well it's kind of like it's very episodic it's very yeah. like a like a like a bunch of just different episodes strung together 
mm -hmm. um, that don't really have anything to do with each other. Um, but yeah, I agree. And you know, I think I'd read this doing my research, but it's not in my notes, but it, it stuck in my head. Um, the things that she eats that where she gets bigger or smaller. Side note, when I watched it, I used to always like imagine like me eating something would make me grow or shrink because it's uh -huh. cool. But I think it plays to that allegory mark because, you know, she's trying to figure out how much is too much. And she tends to either overgrow or shrink too much. And that's part of growing up. You need to figure out like how to uh, you know adjust according to what's appropriate and she's just kind of it's growing pains no pun intended mm -hmm. right right yeah yeah um i always thought that scene was weird though <laughs> the the food scene where she has to like you know uh grow to grab the key or whatever it's just it's <gasps> oh that sense of frustration can oh. i just tell you as an adult and the doorknob's like well why'd you leave it up there i'm like I know. But, like, isn't that what being an adult is like? Like, you know, you have to deposit a check, so then you go into your app to deposit the check, but you can't remember your password, and your password's in another room at the house, and then you go there, and that's put somewhere. It's like it's like <laughs> everything you do is, like, two steps forward, five steps back. And so I think it's, it's pretty, like, relatable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. I just went through that today. I had to deposit a check. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds very specific to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was very specific to today. But um, going back to characters, I mean, by far my favorite, my, my absolute favorite character is the Mad Hatter. I love, I love, and he's a, that's a famous actor. He's been in a lot of live action things, the actor who voices him. And I love that they used his, like, his mannerisms. Like, he sticks out his tongue when he talks and he's like, mustard. Um, it's, I, love it. I love everything about that character. Isn't that the actor from Mary Poppins when they're like in the yes. house where he's floating, where they're floating? I love to laugh. Yeah. 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 Um, and I feel like he was in some like, you know, yeah. Classic sitcom or something. Like he's, he's been in a ton of other stuff, but um, I love the Mad Hatter. I love, everything about the 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 tea scene i love that that whole thing yeah I, I i love the creative ideas of how there's the different tea cups and methods like one like doesn't have a spout and he has to crack it like an egg right like, those are just so like distracting while they're talking i'm like oh look at this one this one like goes through all the different cups and there's right. a cup at the bottom <laughs> but you know what's interesting is in alice through the looking glass the the reason why, like, it's silly in the animated film, and it's, like, all these different things that they try to pour the tea, but they never drink tea. And it's because they've been cursed to not be able to have tea time until Alice comes and visits them. And so all these things that they're doing, they've been sitting there for years and years and years waiting for Alice to show up so that they can actually have tea. And so the cutting the tea in half and doing all the different things is just it's all part it's kind of interesting that it's explained in the sequel very cool yeah yeah i find the mad hatter just very very lovable just so silly i love his mannerisms later on when he gets called up as a witness uh at the trial he was also very funny there um yeah there's just something very lovable about him again i don't know if it's just because he's dopey but you know you know what's interesting i'm not, I'm not a don't 
get mad at me for saying this, but I'm not a huge. Well, I'm fan. already mad. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Seinfeld. Um, I don't but understand. I don't I don't understand Seinfeld either. It's fine. It's all right. Yeah, you're in good company actually. Okay, great. But this movie, and I'm not. I haven't actually watched a ton of Seinfeld, but I'm the, I'm the kind of person that like if I if I start something and don't finish it, I'll read up on how it ends. Like I'll just kind of keep tabs on it. I don't I don't know why. Um, and so this this movie reminded me a lot of Seinfeld, where there's a bunch of things that happen that don't mean anything. And then the very end is this trial, which the the series finale of Seinfeld, they're on trial, and every minor character from the 10 years of the show come back in and, like, are um, giving, you know, their testimony as to how the four characters are really horrible people. Uh, And so this movie kind of reminded me of that, because you've got all these disjointed stories that don't have anything to do with each other, and then Alice is on trial, and then all these characters show back up. Um, and so I thought, I don't think that that means anything, but I just thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, I love that. that I'll admit, that's pretty clever. That's cool. Um, let's see. I, you know, maybe we'll talk about Tweedle Dumb and Tweedle D real quick, just because, again, I don't know. I kind of like them now. Like I said, they creeped me out when I was a kid, but now I just think they're absolutely ridiculous with the honking and the beeping. And I just love the performance of the walrus and the carpenter. Again, just something that just. But, you know, it's Walrus and the Carpenter. They find a bunch of oysters. The walrus is very conniving. Um, And then he ends up eating the oysters before the carpenter could get to him. And then the carpenter's pissed off. And then uh, that's kind of it. Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, but like, like, that's what I mean, though. Like, you go from that to the, the, uh, like well, you go from like her falling down the the rabbit hole right to the door, to that scene, to Tweedledee and Tweedledum, to uh, what was the next scene? It was it the, was it the tea party or was it no tea party or the rabbit's house? She it was rabbit's house, house and then the right. tea party, and it's like that's what I mean. Like what what is this movie about? You know, and like that the house scene always freaked me out when I was little. Right, because like she literally grows through the house, but then you're like, "How is her eye sticking through the top of the roof? Where's the floor? Where's the, like where's the structure in this house? Where are the support beams? Is she just like gonna break this house now?" That poor lizard named Bill. Mm-hmm. Yes. God, yeah. So I'm just throwing that out there too, but you know, it's I don't know, and and to that point is like, man. I don't even know where to go from here. And then like you get to the point where she actually walks through the tree to go to the, 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 the castle or whatever. And she has to walk through the maze and she's kind of jumping and the cards are painting the roses red. And then <laughs> the queen comes out and sees that they missed one, like half a one or whatever. And she gets really angry. And then like the queen is like this big imposing figure. And then the, what the king is just like the small kind of like and the king. Weasley guy, yeah. Uh, So I don't know. I, I, so I am actually not a fan of the way this movie is animated. I don't know why. I think it's for. I think honestly, I think it. If I would have watched this before Cinderella, it wouldn't have bothered me as much. But like, Cinderella is so eloquently animated. It's everything is so perfect, right? We talked. We talked a lot about 
the transformation of the dress and uh you know it it's just so exquisitely animated and you get here and like the scene that i really noticed it like the style doesn't really bother me a whole lot like it, it doesn't do anything for me but the thing that really bothered me is when you get to the hedge maze and like you see the hedges and it just looks like a piece of construction paper with some gray scribbles on it you know as the leaves and like it really bothered me especially since like we watched Cinderella and you look at the animation of Bambi and how perfect those landscapes and stuff are and like I get that this is going for a particular style but that just kind of looked like either they were rushing it it just looked kind of I don't want to use the word lazy because that's not the right term but it just kind of looked like a kid did it you know and that really stuck out to me yeah, I feel like uh, <clears throat> like Disney goes through this like one good year, one bad year, one good year, one bad year, one good year, one bad year uh, kind of mm-hmm. pattern um, where like there's clearly one film that they spend all their time and attention on. And then there's like, well, we got to keep the, the lights on. So here's the second film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Pixar kind of has fallen into that rut a little bit where they're now releasing two movies a year and one is like really great and one is just kind of okay. Um, and so I, I feel like Cinderella was the film that they were all pouring their heart and soul into and Alice in Wonderland wasn't. But mm-hmm. th- there's um, so many of the individual parts of Alice in Wonderland are kind of are fun to watch and are, are really kind of joyful little stories right little vignettes but the sum altogether it's not really telling a cohesive story so it really falls apart when you try to connect everything together but the the individual pieces i think are much better than the the gathered together sum Mm -hmm. yeah and i would say overall like the cast of characters i mean there's like a tiny handful like we're already kind of struggling to really pick things to to talk about like not for lack of content but for example when i mentioned Tweedledee and Tweedledum like it lasted 30 seconds because i realized well there's actually really nothing to them if anything i appreciate more as far as character wise like i just like the the random creativity of the 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 things that are in wonderland like what do you call it the the moan rats or something these little like legs with the eyeballs they were so cute or like the ducks that were actually horns or something like if you stepped on them they went honk or like Like, or like when all the little forest creatures started disappearing, right? You had like the shovel and the scissors and the eyeglasses and stuff. And they weren't like animals. They were actually like probably things that she recognized from her real life that kind of came alive at some point, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like I, I like those just because they were creative. Like, oh, I would have never come up with that. But as far as, uh, you know, strong cast characters, I mean, what else? we got the Caterpillar, who was an enigma and had a terrible temper. Um, the Cheshire Cat, which gives me creeped out vibes. I'm kind of like, is there something more sinister about this Cheshire Cat than... Like, he creeps me out more than, like, me being terrified of the Queen. The Queen just comes out as, like, just a very angry, selfish person that's almost laughable. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's super laughable. She, like, it's, I mean, you look at, uh, I hate to keep bringing up Cinderella because we just did that episode, but, like, I mean, you look at the evil stepmother, like, there's, there are, you know, 
whether they're deep layers or not, there are layers to that character in terms of she has a plan. She's very kind of calm and collected and manipulative and kind of, you know, does her thing in a way that's kind of planned. Whereas, like you said, Stephanie, the queen is very just over the top angry. I'm just going to yell real loud and be kind of, Spoiled brat. Stupid. Like I, I, I don't like the character at all. I think the queen is a terrible character. Um, there. I mean, I think that the Cheshire Cat uh, is kind of a way better character. I think that there are better characters that they could have utilized more in this movie. So I, I just, I don't, I just don't understand this movie. And I know I keep coming back to that, but like, I just, I just don't understand this movie. You know, I, I think the shock value of how weird it is. Uh, there are good p- moments in this movie, right? Like Mark brought up the 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 tea party. Like that's a cool scene, but like I I I I wonder if this movie just got recognition because of how weird it was, especially for the time, right? You know, and not necessarily because of the good animation or the storytelling or whatnot. Not to, I don't think it will be that random because it is pertaining to Alice in Wonderland. But it does remind me of the level in Kingdom Hearts because mm-hmm. it was in the first Kingdom Hearts. I don't recall if it was in the second, and I didn't even get past the first level of the third. But I distinctly remember that level in the first Kingdom Hearts, and it was an early level too, if not mm-hmm. the first world. I think, I think it was the second. Second. If I'm, I, it's been a while since I played them. I'm actually planning a playthrough of these games because of Kingdom Hearts Four. I'm actually like, I've kind of decided. Like, are you gonna stream it? I I don't know if I have time, but I mean, judging by your face, I guess I should. Uh, well, I'm just saying, if you do, I'm on board with that because that's amazing. Okay. Uh, because I bought the entire collection on Xbox. I was gonna buy it for Switch, but you know, cloud cloud versions. Uh. So, yeah, I I remember the level you're talking about. And it was actually kind of like one of the first it's the that level was made me buy the strategy guide for the game. Uh, so I, I don't know, just it was a very memorable level. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. That's why I wanted to bring it up like mm-hmm. it's a memorable memorable movie. I do think the sound bites and the music is kind of I don't know, this the strength, I guess, of this mm-hmm. of this movie which i guess we're now talking about general impressions of the film i don't know if we want to move on with that as far as rating the villain like i don't like what i would just assume that the queen is the default villain here right or or is this just like a yeah i mean yeah i would say so i don't really i mean there isn't really another villain per se is there i mean not really the cheshire cat's just mischievous yeah right Right. yeah i would say the queen's like a two out of ten no offense oh she's just the worst and not in a good way all right um well i think we might have covered you know favorite moments um and we kind of touched upon moments we didn't like but is you know there anything else we want to talk about with this movie um i mean we didn't really talk about the white rabbit at all oh that's kind of important let's do that yeah uh (laughs) just because he kind of kicks off this whole thing right and kind of even almost wraps up the thing in a way. Uh, he's just, he's strange. Uh, but Part of me wonders, am I too stupid? I feel that 
he has to represent something. I'm like, am right. I missing? Like, because he's he's like Corey said, he's the the catalyst to everything. He's always late for something. He's consistently throughout weaving in and out of the story. He's like the one constant, right? That he's right. there. But I can't really find a meaning to him. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Uh, no, I just I, I feel like there's something there. Like there's this this world that that Alice is supposed to be living in, where she's proper and learning history and all of that. And 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 there's this world that's like fantastical that Alice thinks she wants, but makes no sense and realizes she doesn't really want. But then there's this thread of time weaving through it, where it's like, hurry up, you're late. Hurry up, you're late. Hurry up, you're late. And I feel like there's something connect that, that there's something there with those three things. Like this is obviously a movie about maturing and, and going from being a kid to being an adult. And, and the, I don't know, you have to find the right time to do that or the right balance between whimsy and being mature or something. I think that there's, I can't really put it together, but I think that there's something there with that for sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he is a, Maybe he represents stress and how like time is running out as like almost like a child or trying to grow up, you know, like going back to that metaphor of like growing up or maturing as a person, you know. True. Children always seem to be in a rush to grow up. And I constantly tell my son, not in these words, but like growing up stinks. Like, don't Mm -hmm. trust me on this one. You do not take your time. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of think maybe that's what he represents, you know, mm-hmm. and falling down that rabbit hole of worrying about, like, you fall down the rabbit hole, you're so worried about growing up where you just don't enjoy being young to an extent, maybe. And, like, by the time she gets out, you know. She's a new, new person. person I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I think I think at the end of this movie, she just picks up the cat and walks back to the house or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how much she really learned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I like that. I think we I think we're onto something here. Yeah. And uh, speaking of either things or scenes we forgot to talk about, I feel like it's worth talking about because of the musical number is when she meets the flowers. Because again, I brought it up at the at the top of the episode where that's what she initially was singing about before mm-hmm. she right. in Wonderland. Uh, I like the cool iterations of each type of flower, like the dandelions are lion-like mm-hmm. in right. personality or something. Obviously, they're very catty and color a weed, but uh, the song Golden Afternoon, I believe it's what it's called, is is very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any closing thoughts or statements? Because I think we're kind of this, this seems like a, there's not terribly much to yeah. talk about offense to Alice. Yeah. Um, I do think <laughs> every time the cards chase her out of the maze, like I feel like she's just playing a game of solitaire. Like, you know, when you're playing solitaire on your computer, all the cards just kind of like... <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't really have anything else to say. I, I just think this movie is really weird, and I, I can't wait to see where we rank this movie, because... Yeah, I, I I am too. Maybe we can get to it because what I will say is I enjoyed watching Alice in Wonderland more so now than as a kid. So I will say it has improved in my mind in comparison to when I saw it 
heck, like 25 years ago or however long I saw it. But in comparison to the rest, though, I'm not sure I can right. say easily definitely won't top Cinderella for sure. But now I'm looking at the list. So our current definitive ranking is Cinderella sitting at the top at number one, followed by Pinocchio, Bambi, Snow White, and then poor little Dumbo. <laughs> but I, I don't know, like maybe we can at least rule out the, you know, the top and the bottom. I don't think it's as when I say as bad as Dumbo, I'm not saying Dumbo is bad. I still like I am Alice Dumbo was bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, definitely beats Dumbo, right? Because I feel yeah. we can at least okay. Mm-hmm. But as far as where it is in well, the so what was next? What was So Cinderella, Pinocchio, Bambi, Snow White, Dumbo. Oh, this is Snow White's way better than this. I yeah, I, I agree. I that, don't think yeah. you can put it higher than Snow White. No, I th- I think it it is between Snow White and Dumbo. Yeah. I think I think this movie is better than Dumbo, but like it's still. I think w- when all is said and done, which shocks me because I was actually like really optimistic going into Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, okay, this is where Disney's going to start experimenting with stuff, and they're going to try something new and different. And a lot of people really like Alice in Wonderland for some reason, and I'm excited. And like going in, I remember liking. Alice in Wonderland for the most part, right? Like it's been, it's probably been like 20 years since I watched it, but like, I remember liking Alice in Wonderland in terms of like conceptually for a long time and Disney experimented and it just did not work this time. Yeah. Yeah. Any closing remarks from you, Mark? No, I mean, I I don't think, I, I don't think Dumbo is a bad film. Um, I just think, um, I mean, I, I said this before, I said this earlier, but like, I feel like each of these movies was pioneered something for Disney. Um, and I think that Alice in Wonderland should be known for really pioneering music for Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and again, I'm really bad at expressions. I don't really know how to say this expression, but like the sum, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, or is not greater than the sum mm-hmm. of its parts, or whatever that expression is. But the, if you look at the movie as like individual episodes, I feel like they're really enjoyable to watch. And each individual self-contained episode is really a fun little time, but the, the whole movie together just doesn't really go together. It's not really cohesive. So um, yeah. I, I think it, it fits perfectly between snow white and dumbo um i think there are great things about the movie but i think that there are also some some not so great things about the movie too yeah Yeah. Yeah, i gotta agree so uh i say that wraps up alice in wonderland and i didn't say this when we recorded cinderella not too long ago but kind of looking in the pipeline next we will be talking about peter pan um, and just look at the next two after that is Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty, which now that we've talked about Cinderella and like progressing, I'm almost kind of shocked that Sleeping Beauty is still a couple movies away. I don't know why. I kind of envision right. that as a much older movie. Yeah. But I always thought Cinderella was before. I mean, uh, Sleeping Beauty came out before. Cinderella. I know. I did too. I was always right. of that impression. Right. Uh, but so it's Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Okay. I... So we recently, not to like, whatever, we recently watched Sleeping Beauty because my daughter is obsessed with Aurora for some reason. Uh, she even has a baby doll, a baby Aurora doll that she takes with her everywhere, like literally everywhere. This thing is trashed. Like its hair is like, 
Like you need to like wash its hair and it, you probably should just like replace it. But like right. it's her favorite toy. She carries it everywhere. Even when she plays with her other toys, this doll plays with her toys with her. And so like there's going to be a special bias to Sleeping Beauty for me. But also I think that I think that movie is underrated personally. Um, I'm looking forward to see it because I remember not liking it and thinking it was boring. So yeah. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. And so I'm, I'm excited to see it again because I've been yeah. really surprised with these movies this time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really so I haven't watched Peter Pan since I was little. And Peter Pan was my favorite when I was little. And I used to wear a Peter Pan costume like in the summertime because I love Peter Pan. So uh-huh. I... <laughs> After watching Alice in Wonderland and knowing that it's the same animation team and style and stuff, I'm very concerned that my childhood <laughs> is going to be shattered. Now, hopefully there'll be enough time between now and then to experience it by itself. Yeah. The only the, the preview I'll give about kind of my history with Peter Pan is after that movie, I was that stupid idiot kid that thought I could fly mm-hmm. with pixie dust that i found right. dirt on the ground and mm. i had a couple of bruises because of that yeah, i used to jump <laughs> off the furniture and hurt myself so <laughs> all right what a great episode thank you guys for joining me tonight uh let's wrap it up uh mark would you like to tell everyone where people can find you yeah i'm the entertainment lead at boss rush <laughs> um Y'all make fun of me for not saying that. Uh, so you can find me over at bossrush.net um, doing all things movies and TV shows and sometimes video games if I ever have time to play them. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Accepted Pereira. And then you can find me on the other standard definition uh, where we're going through the MCU films. All right. Corey, where can people find you? You can find me at I am CoreyNHG on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast. Uh, you can also find me on Nintendo Power Block, After Dark, Standard Def for MCU. Uh, we are also wrapping up Indiana Jones, which you can see. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually listening through um, Last Crusade right now, which is by far my favorite it's, installment. It's the best. So, yeah. And again, I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. I am a co-host to the Boss Rush podcast on Wednesday nights, and uh, I am on After Dark as well. And every once in a while, I will be—I I do contribute an article to BossRush.net, hopefully more in the future. But until then, you know, keep your... What is it? I'm trying to like pull a line from Cinderella, and it's so late in the night, late in the night now, I can't really do it justice, but you know dreams come true and all that wonderful (laughs) stuff have a great night well done yeah bye